Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This is CX, our uh, customer experience podcast. I'm Mike Manfredo. And I'm Paul Hagan. And we are here joined today by Mark Snyder, a Senior Manager at West Monroe Partners, to talk to us about Robotics Process Automation, or RPA, and talk about the impact on customer experience. Welcome, Mark. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. So before we get into our topic, why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself to the audience today? Uh, Mark Snyder, uh, Senior Manager at West Monroe Partners. I have been doing consulting now for about 25 years, uh, actually a fair amount of it in organizations, change management, etc. Now actually leading their robotics practice and in all things uh, process automation. So it's been an interesting journey and I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about it with you. Excellent. All right. Well, then let's get into it. So robotics process automation or RPA. Mark, what is RPA um, and what's an example of it? Absolutely. So our RPA is essentially a, a software product that sits on your desktop, for example, and moves data between different systems. Uh, it doesn't sound anywhere near as glamorous as robotics does, but that is essentially it. It takes work that individuals do today manually and, and allows that to be automated uh, and does so in ways that traditional automation tools really can't and don't. You know, example we've got here where for our new hire onboarding process, you know, we've got somebody in HR today who takes information off of a Word document and loads that information, the same information, by the way, into ADP, loads it into Concur, loads it into our own time entry system, orders business cards and gets them delivered to the right location, and then make sure you actually can get into the building on your first day. We have automated that entire process uh, through RPA. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the rise of RPA, why it's important, and what's the value that it's ultimately bringing to businesses, absolutely. the 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 rise of RPA really, and again, I'll I'll use the the evolutionary versus revolutionary. The term robot sounds truly revolutionary. In the end, what this is is a kind of an amalgam of different tools that interface with the the UI. You know, really control and manipulate it, and then when it's trained properly, can move data back and forth. Why is this valuable? Um, mainly because I think most of the traditional automation tools have, have reached the peak of what they can do. And they're very, very good at moving data very quickly between two or three systems. But where they start to struggle is if you're looking at different types of technologies, if you're getting into uh, systems that you don't own or control, you know, web, you know, websites, for example, where you want to move that, uh, that data around. And that has traditionally been done by humans. You know, I've, I've seen one client where I've watched a, a woman load the same 10-digit code 16 times in a process, which, you know, by, for, for all intents and purposes should be something you should be able to automate, and that's the kind of thing that RPA allows you to do. The value of it really is, is very clear of, you know, if, if you've got individuals in your organization who are doing nothing but move data manually back and forth between systems, it's expensive. Uh, it's, there's some risk to it because we are, we are not infallible people. We make mistakes. We make errors transposing things. Um, and RPA gives you the opportunity to remove a lot of that and, and gain the resulting value. Well, I can't help but think, too, from an employee experience perspective, you know, I want to shoot myself if I've got to move that same data into 16 different systems. Uh, there's got to be some good, uh, you know, some good things for the employees who actually uh, uh, have to do that kind of root, routine work on a regular basis. 
Paul, I have thought that many times myself as we go through <laughs> and watch some of these processes that we're going to automate of, of how can you do this all day, every day for eight hours. I, you know, more power to them for it, but oh boy, <laughs> not, not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mark, you know, based on what you told us, actually, I'd like to turn to Paul. Paul, what do we think the value is to customers here? Where's where's the positive impact to customer experience by automating some of this data entry and ultimately the impact on even the employee experience? Well, I, I'm imagining a couple of things. Um, you know, the the one thing that struck me as Mark was talking about it is just mistakes that people make. Uh, you know, I've, we've certainly seen this in the past of you know, uh, um, uh, you know, companies who take data and then have to put it in different systems. Invariably, there are mistakes and you know, and addresses and digits that are put in and all of those types of things that cause frustration for customers. So, you know, eliminating some of those. Um, strikes me as interesting. Um, speeding up, you know, if someone's got to enter those things in different places, you know, I imagine you're speeding up processes by a whole whole lot. I'm always a little bit careful of that because customers, when cut when we when we think about you know speeding a, a process up, companies can spend a lot of time and energy speeding things up, and customers don't necessarily. Uh, care about whether something's three days or five days. What they care more about is the transparency and 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 the expectation setting of when I'm going to get something. But certainly, speed is speed is important, and uh, you know, uh, meeting customers' expectations around that can be super important. You know, and then I think you know, as we started getting into the employee experience piece, you know, freeing them up, freeing employees up from mundane work. You know, I think there's all sorts of potential of you know, re reconfiguring what, what employees do to drive, you know, not just do the transactional and the rote stuff, but really drive value to customers and engage with customers more, you know, about more important types of things. You know, Paul, I think you hit all of them on the head. And you know, the, the one in particular you hit on speed has been kind of an interesting topic. Um, you know, for, for a lot of our business to business clients, what, what you end up discussing is SLAs, you know, service level agreements. Um, and, and when you look behind the scenes at that, it's, how high is the queue and, and how much time is it taking for somebody to work through all the, the stacks of requests that before they actually get to yours? Uh, and I've seen clients where that ranges anywhere from two days to 10 days. And if you've got the ability to accelerate that process and get that queue down because you've got a bot that's working potentially 24 hours a day, you, you reduce that wait time and thus the overall SLA dramatically. So, you know, the expectations are key, but if I can go from a two day wait down to, a couple of hours, um, that, that feels like a win. It, it strikes me as anytime I see, a, a, a you know, something that I fill out and yeah, I think about magazines sometimes, I don't know if magazines are that way anymore, but you fill out a form and then they say your first, uh, issue will come in, you know, anywhere from 21 to 28 days, or, you know, it takes tw- you know seven to 14 days, you know, for, for, uh, us to, to take your, uh, your name out of, uh, an email marketing system. Yeah, I just shake my head and say that can't possibly be, you know, <laughs> what's going on that I can't have this happen immediately. Um, those things have got to improve. Absolutely. And this is a big place that will allow that to happen. Or at least, you know, those, those are targets for, uh, for, uh, for, for some of the work that you're doing. <laughs> no question. Yeah. So not to be uh, maybe Debbie Downer here, but uh, let's talk about maybe some of the challenges that RPA presents to organizations. I want to start actually with you, Mark, and your background in change management, right? What I'm hearing is we're going to be more efficient. We're actually going to free people up. Do organizations look at it as a way to truly free people up to now do more value-added tasks? Because I think that's probably the way we want it to go. 
Or are they looking at it as now I can go ahead and I can actually free up people and, and cut them, right? I can actually reduce my operating costs. That That is the big, I guess, hype that's out there, that, that automation takes jobs. I will be honest with you, from what we have seen so far, most of our clients run lean enough that there isn't a lot of room to, to remove people from their workforce. You know, everything we've seen so far has been repurposing um, and, and getting people into something that's more interesting, more attentive, etc. You know, the, the other side of it, too, is that robots and people are not a one for one thing. That, that RPA can automate a portion, usually a significant portion of the manual work that's done. But these bots, in some cases, kind of like people, do need oversight and do need management and, and validation that the work that they've done is accurate. So there is still definitely work for humans in an automated process. There is no question of that whatsoever. But from a change management perspective, yes, we are, we are very careful as we go through this process um, in addressing what's involved, what the impacts, and what the results are. You know, Paul, you you hit it on the head. There's multiple ways to look at the value of RPA. It's about speed. It's about customer engagement. It's about employee engagement, and and getting a little bit away from the the hype of this removes people from your from your employee base, uh, which again, as I've seen, has really not been the case so far. I think there's probably got to be, you know, if it's funny, I was watching the movie Passengers recently, you know, and, and robot, you know, this is in the future and robots are, are you know, a part of everyday life in the, in, in, in uh, you know, spaceship going, you know, 100, 100 years to uh, a, another, a, another location. And, you know, what was fascinating about that the movie is 100 years in the future, you know, guy wakes up halfway through the journey and is interacting with one of the with the robots there, and um, the robot just doesn't believe him that something could possibly have gone wrong. Um, so I, you know, I think about you know we 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 well, we live in a world where we get more automation like this, and you know the the rise of artificial intelligence, and and yet you know there is always an exception and 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 defects you know that that happen, you know, and to meet a a core tenant of any human computer interface is how elegantly the computer deals with error and and allows someone to you know go from an error state to correcting that and it feels like humans will often be you know part of that equation in 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 correcting those errors I don't think you'll ever lose the the human component of an interaction whether it's business to business or business to consumer we we like the interaction with a person we like that social contact and, and trying to take that away, and, and granted, we're talking about you know fifty plus years from now in concept. Uh, I, I think would would be a mistake from a competitive perspective. But you, you hit on another point that um, I want to tie back to, Mike. Your question earlier on what is RPA? You know, let, let's talk about what it's not for a second. You know, RPA is a is a tool which you train, program, whatever you want to use the right term to do a specific process, repeatable process again and again. Um, what it's not is machine learning or artificial intelligence. Um, RPA is, is traditionally a, a piece of software, like I said, that you program. It's not going to learn for itself. It's not going to program itself. Um, that, uh, and, and there's a lot going on with AI and, and machine learning with Google and Facebook and, and Microsoft and others. But the connection between those tools, which really help give you the right answers to questions, um, and the ability to automate a process really haven't been haven't been connected yet. So there's there's still a ways to go on that end. But I 
wanted to bring that up because we often get a question of what's the difference between AI and RPA, um, and, and it's it's pretty uh, pretty broad chasm. That was great because I probably yeah. went, I went right there and took our audience there into the robotics part of that as opposed to the process automation piece and and uh, projected in where I probably shouldn't have. So that's great. Absolutely. So one of the other things uh, that I've been thinking about from the CX perspective of this, um, and I've uh, you know talking with some of our internal folks, when they asked me what what's the kind of the CX lens on this, my, my initial thought going to was don't automate a crappy experience. <laughs> so, you know, we talk, we talk about automation, making things faster, but if it's a terrible experience to begin with, automating it is just going to potentially make it that much worse, right? So I think where the CX layer needs, uh, or CX needs to be layered over this, looking at it from the customer's perspective, understanding the journey, understanding the, the steps that are being taken and the way that the customer is engaging with the organization. And that will help to lead to ident- or identify opportunities for true uh, process automation, as well as thinking through then how do you re-engage with those employees that are freed up? Um, Mark, have you seen anything like that? Absolutely. Um, trying to automate a bad process is a truly miserable experience. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll be a little bit blunt on that one. Um, what, what we have found more than anything else is that this becomes an opportunity to do it right. Um, if you're going to go through the effort of investing in automation, then, then make sure that that process works, is smooth, makes sense. It isn't a compromise upon a change upon another compromise that's gone on for years. Get it right, automate what you've got then, and, and you will be much, much happier with the results than trying to, um, trying to fix what's already broke or automate what's already, you know, already broken. You know, the, the other challenge to that you'll run into is for these broken processes, more often than not, you need a human involved to sort through the nuance of it. Uh, okay, it should work this way, but it doesn't work this way. So I've got to do this and adjust to this, shift to this. You can't automate that. So, you know, repeating, but fix it, then automate it, and, and you'll be a much happier, uh, much happier client. You know, as you guys were talking, what, what was a current, what I was thinking about, and Mark, you and I have talked about this in the past, is that, you know, customer journey mapping is a powerful tool. You know, current state to understand what's going on and then future state to redesign you know, those interactions with customers. And it seems to me any time that you're doing a customer journey map is an awesome time to go into the ecosystem and into those business processes and say, what could I automate and what could I make faster? What could I make better, you know, in my business processes? And then vice versa, anytime a company is is thinking about doing some, some process automation like this, why not do a journey map first and understand what is the actual interaction going on with customers to to at least give a lens and say, how could we be doing this better and what makes sense from the customer's perspective? They really go together super, super nicely. Paul, I couldn't agree with you more. That That is so absolutely true. And as you figure out truly what your customer experience is and, and kind of what your, your North Star and your guiding principles are from that, mm-hmm. okay, now let's start to look at those those customer-facing processes and identify those opportunities once you've got that in mind um, and, and start to look at, okay, is there value? Is there value to, to us as a firm? Is there a value to our clients and to our employees? And truly, does it align to that North Star? Okay, now we've got something that we can, we can think about automating and, and make that work and improve upon it. 
I'm curious, Mark, have you seen, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd sort of made the differentiation between the process automation and, you know, some of the AI and machine learning is, you know, because as we talk about that process and the customer journey, I, I keep, you know, Mike, we have, we've talked about personalization and using journey analytics and, you know, personalization tools within the process. Is that a place where you can start layering over as you connect those, you know, processes and your or automate those processes and the data with that customer journey? You know, or are those two separate things? So I, they they're slightly separate in, in most cases. If you're and there are let me back up. There are a few examples of tying RPA and automation into AI. Uh, you know, mm. uh, what H&R Block has done with Watson, for example, uh, the, the, the work that's being done at Deakin Business School is actually pretty spectacular. But for the most part, your, your automation is really meant to, to get out of the way those things that are rote and repeatable over and over again and, and allow you as a business then to focus on the customization, the, the uniqueness for each of your clients and what makes them you know, special to you and, and, you know, and happier as a, as a customer for you. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So it sounds like if you pair them together, you can use the machine learning AI capabilities to potentially personalize the journey or in terms of now next best action for the customer. And then depending on what action they take, you could actually use RPA to actually continue the execution of the journey, depending on what action the customer would actually take. I I think in the future, that's the ideal world. I I tend to think of of RPA and, and to a lesser extent, chat as the arms and legs of automation you have to program them or tell them what to do and they will do it over and over again. The, the AI is really, or the machine learning really is, is the brains behind that. And if you can get the AI to understand some of the nuance and difference and guide RPA effectively, that's, that, that's kind of the ideal we're all thinking about and, and, and shooting for at some point in the future. Sounds like we got to crawl before we run. Uh, it, like get, get started with us. Then there's probably plenty of stuff to do uh, just getting started. That's exactly right, yeah. Paul. There's a huge amount of opportunity out there on, on RPA alone, no question. So let's talk about in terms of getting started, what are some of the biggest challenges that organizations are facing when trying to implement RPA, um, whether that's from a strategic standpoint or from a technology standpoint? So I'll, I'll give you three and I add organizational one to it first. And let's start with the organization side. And that's just working through the hype. You know, when when executives we've talked to have started to think about automation, they are truly scared of what their employees will think. You know, are you are you coming to take our jobs? This this is going to, you know, put us into an environment where we're all on welfare, et cetera, and so on. Um, and, and helping coach those executives through the fact that number one, that's not the case. Uh, and that number two, most of the clients we've talked to when their executives are transparent about it and put facts and you know facts down about what this truly means it ends up being a pretty exciting ride for everybody so that's that's kind of the first piece um, you know the second piece is on the process side we've touched on it already um, but it's it's figuring out how to improve that process before you automate it and making sure that people understand that that is a step in this overall activity um, and not just you know as, as we were discussing earlier automating the bad you know, the third piece on the technology side is really ownership of of the bots themselves. Um, RPA is kind of a unique thing. It's it's clearly not human, but it's also clearly not totally machine too. 
so case in point, you know, these are, these are tools that will manipulate different pieces of software within, within your environment. Um, that means they need login IDs, which in many companies means that they need badges. So it's not unsurprising for robots to actually have employee badges in companies so that they have access to those tools. It's, it's that closely connected together. In fact, one of our bots, um, I got a little, I got in a little trouble for it a couple of weeks ago because the bot hadn't entered its time properly. Uh, they, <laughs> they thought the bot was an employee and wanted to know why, uh, why it hadn't entered its time, and I got my hand slapped for it. So uh, that's that's the sort of stuff on the technology side you need to think through um, early on and, and set some expectations when you're starting to implement this work. Interesting. What about from a data perspective? So, you know, you're talking about how these bots are, they're manipulating software. You're able to train them to take, enter data from one to the next. Is there an issue where, you know, this idea of disparate systems, um, it's not necessarily bringing data together in in a holistic way, but it, it seems more like this is a way to maybe navigate some of the disparate systems, but not necessarily ending them being disparate. Uh, what do you what are you seeing from in terms of the data and some of the challenges there? That that is absolutely right. And and you know, in case in point, you know, here, you know, we had to train our robots to understand the difference between somebody writing down senior manager in full versus senior abbreviated SR dot MGR dot or or any nuance thereof. And what we found as we dug further was that in ADP, for example, versus Concur, those were two very different things, even within the dropdowns that they had to select from. So we, we ended up maybe not so much doing a full data cleanup, but a significant data translation effort uh, in the process of building those bots. The, the biggest probably challenge from a data perspective is if you're going from free form to a, a very specific, very defined field. Um, that that is a challenge that will take time to work through. Our workaround to it or our fix to it was where we had free form in a Word document. Uh, we actually created drop downs, which had all of the selection options that were in there. And that got us to the level of consistency with the bot that we could effectively, you know, 95% of the time, get the rest of that information loaded across all those different systems. Interesting. Let's wrap up the conversation. Just thinking, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about where we think the future of RPA is going, but any other thoughts on on what you see, you know, maybe in the in the short term future of, of where RPA is going, Mark? I, I think you'll see a, a couple of things. First of all, there is an enormous amount of hype around this still, um, both on the on the automation and jobs perspective, and also just within the tool itself. Um, you know, I think we've covered the automation and job side, but the, I think the key thing to think about CX is it's not a replacement for existing automation tools, rather it's an enhancement to them. You're talking about a tool with RPA that compared to other automation tools is pretty slow. You know, you, you think about um, interfaces passing data back and forth in, in milliseconds or microseconds, you know, RPA only runs as fast as the user interface. So it's, it's got a very clear and a very effective business case, but it's also a limited one. So, you know, the starting point to that really is not so much do we have interfaces today that we'd want to replace, more so than do we have manual work today that, that we potentially could automate a portion of. So I think both of those are what we'll start to see, you know, kind of settling out over time as 
the hype settles down and, and more of the reality of, of what RPA is and, and truly the value it provides can accomplish. Awesome. Paul, any other last thoughts around, you know, impact of customer experience based on some of these, uh, you know, some of the implications of RPA and based on where we think it's heading? Yeah, I just I would leave leave our listeners with the last thought, which is, you know, if you're ever doing any kind of journey mapping, you know, think about bringing your process folks into it and and, and look for opportunities, you know, for that automation and vice versa. I would say anyone who's leading up, uh, you know, process automation efforts, you know, bring the customer experience team in to do the journey map up front you know, to understand really what you're trying to accomplish with, uh, with, with customers and, and, and how you drive value. Um, you know, I tend to think, uh, you know, the two, the two play really nicely together. You can't, you can't just design experiences without the operations behind it. And you can't re-engineer your operations and be more effective without understanding that your operations are about delivering value out to customers. So how can you do it better? Um, so much of the digital technologies are around reinventing, you know, how you deliver value. Kind of building on that, Paul, is um, you know, it's not about the you know removing the employees as a cost, but allowing them to kind of reposition them to to help customers, help build deeper relationships that ultimately does deliver the value to the customers, but then also, frankly, delivers additional value to the organization. Right, building deeper, more personal relationships, having. Uh, a more dedicated individual that I can talk to as a customer as a result of this may actually increase the the probability of, of uh, bringing additional value like around loyalty, right? I, I may want to engage more because I know I've got a dedicated person because you freed that person up by automating some of their responsibilities. So you know, I would say that organizations, if they can kind of take that in mind, you know, that's a that's a great way to continue to to show the value that could bring both the customer and the organization level. Bingo. All right. Well, with that, we will wrap up here. Uh, Mark, really appreciate you joining us today. I think this is a really interesting conversation, um, maybe helping start to end some of the misnomers about robotic process automation. But uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, really uh, enjoyed the conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And uh, we'll be back with another episode. Yeah.